So this morning we are going to be in Genesis 46. How do I do this? I do this. And we're going to try to do two chapters again. There's a kind of a large chunk of genealogy that we're going to skim over. So we'll start here. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. The God spoke to Israel in the vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So pause for a little refresher on what's been going on. Israel, who's also named Jacob. You're going to catch both names um, in this passage. And he's got 12 sons. Two by his favorite wife, uh, Joseph and Benjamin. But when Joseph was 17 years old, his brothers, all 11, most 10 of them, um, hated him. They were jealous of him and put him in a hole. And then later sold, very quickly, sold him into slavery into Egypt, where he went um, and was a slave for a little bit in a guy named Potiphar's house. Um, but he was accused of possible uh, attempted rape with Potiphar's wife and so he's put into prison and he remained a slave and in prison for 13 years or so before he met Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker and interpreted some of their dreams by God's providence by God's grace and help um, one of them and the dreams came to true exactly the way they was predicted and then he was in prison for another two years before he was remembered by the cupbearer. And when they called him out, the pharaoh had had a dream and was disconcerted about what this dream meant. He had had two dreams. And he interpreted the dreams. There's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And so during the seven years of plenty, Joseph said that you need to store up lots of grain so that you can sustain your nation through the seven years of famine because it will be a bad famine seven years of famine um and uh, pharaoh decided to make joseph the one that would be in charge because he saw that the lord was with him and that he he understood these kinds of things and so joseph was raised up into a high position uh, the seven years of plenty were amazing there was so much grain they stopped counting it because there was so much grain and then to cut, we come into the first year or two of the famine, and um, Joseph's brothers, Israel and Jacob's sons, uh, were out of bread. They needed food, so they went to Egypt to find bread, and they ended up in front of their brother, though they didn't know it. And his brother gave him a hard time, tested them a little bit, and eventually, last week, revealed himself as, Hey, I'm Joseph. I'm, I speak your language. I'm your brother, whom you sold into slavery. But what you intended for evil, God intended for good. So they've been reunified. And Pharaoh's household heard about this and um, has sent down chariots and everything to basically pick up uh, Israel and his household, and bring them back to Egypt with them. Now, this presents a problem, which is where we are now, because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob have all basically been told not to leave their land. God has promised them a land. We call it the promised land. And often, when they leave the promised land, the, the land that God has promised them, bad things kind of happen. Poor, poor choices, 
poor things happen. And so leaving the promised land is generally not what they're supposed to do. But as of right here, we have God talking to Jacob or Israel. Um, and we'll see what he says about him leaving the promised land. So we'll pick up in verse 3. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. So here we, we read that God is for this. God says, this is okay. You can go down to Egypt, and I will bring you back up. And when God says something, he'll do it. Um, and God will make them a great nation there. We're going to... Yeah, and and so this funny kind of phrase, uh, Joseph will put his hand on your eyes, means that Joseph will will be the one will be there when he dies. The Jews have a custom where the eldest son or the not necessarily the eldest son in the situation, the the heir, the the more prominent son will close the eyes of the father after they die. So that's what this this kind of means. And the the Jews, the Israelites, still do this kind of custom where the oldest is supposed to. Close the eyes of their deceased father. And so God says, God is confirming this. Verse 5. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones and their wives, and the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry them. So they took their livestock and their goods which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and went to Egypt. Jacob and all of all his descendants with him, his sons and his sons' sons, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all the descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now, verse 8, now these were the names of the children of Israel, Jacob and his sons who went to Egypt. Now, it's going to list out every son and all of their, most of their children, and it's just going to be a long list. There's going to be 70 in total. So we're actually just going to skip this section for now. You can come back and read it. But it's it's they're just names and we're not going to dig into any of the names. Because it's not, not beneficial for us right now. So we're going to skip down to 27. Please go back and read it and tell me what I missed and what's very important for me. But I, I we're just going to skip it right now. So uh, we're going to skip to verse 27. And the sons of Joseph who were born in him in Egypt were two persons. All the persons of the house of Jacob oh no, were 70. So there were 70 names that we just would have read through. Just, just, we just skimmed it. Uh, verse 28. Then he, went, then he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And they and the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock. And they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. So it shall be. When Pharaoh calls and calls you and says, What is your occupation? That you shall say, Your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even until now both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So, uh, Israel, or Jacob's household, is 70 men large. 
there are 12 sons, and then there are their children, which is what's in that big list. And all of them, plus their wives and any children they have that are not named, are coming. So they're coming as kind of like a, a big tribe. They're really actually pretty big for, for a household. Plus all the animals that they look after. So they're moving to this area of Goshen. Now Goshen is in the 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 fertile area of the Nile. So where the Nile meets the Mediterranean, there's all these like rivers and then turns into the Nile more solidly down below it. The Goshen's in that area up, up north. And because it's always having fresh water flow through it, it it's very good land for uh, for sheep and for all that sorts of stuff. Um, that's where he went. And he, uh, Judah didn't necessarily know where it was, so Judah went kind of before everyone else to Joseph to say, point me to where Goshen is. We don't know. We don't have Google Maps. So, so that's what's happening there. Uh, and they go up to meet their father. And this in Goshen, in this land, um, is where Israel and Joseph finally meet face to face after so 20, 22 years or so. And where Israel thought Joseph was dead, he's very much alive and is doing very well. He's the governor of Egypt. And, and they have this great reunion, father and son. And they talk about they're going to go before Pharaoh in a little bit. So if we're going to go to 47. So. Ah, and there's the comment about all shepherds are an abomination to Egyptians. This is a funny phrase because we're going to see here that they're not. Abomination may be a strong word. Or maybe a strange translation of whatever word it was. Um, because the Egyptians do keep sheep. They do keep cows. And some of them think that the Egyptians were... Um, they planted and they kept a couple animals. But people that only kept animals were were strange. Um, I think the more likely idea is that these shepherds were actually nomads. And they moved around and they didn't set down roots and... And that was strange to the city dwellers of the Egyptians, that they they were just maybe distrustful because they moved around so much. We kind of have a, a similar idea with, you know, like truck drivers and, and, and people that move all the time. They haven't set down roots. They don't stay long. And it's kind of a strange lifestyle to those that have a house and just go to work and we, we live in our house. So that's the more reasonable idea of why they're so strange why they're called an abomination such a strange word such a strong word um, but you'll see here that it's not such an abomination because pharaoh has sheep and pharaoh has domestic animals and the people have domestic animals as you'll see see in a little bit um it may also be that they're foreigners they're outsiders that they're more servants and that we saw as they were eating dinner their separation because that's what the world loves to do the world loves to separate that's the word we have. That's the word we're using. So, so chapter 47. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brothers, their flocks and their herds, and all that they possess have come to the land of Canaan. And indeed, they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers, presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because your servant 
have no pasture for their flock, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. So I'll pause there. So Pharaoh's welcoming him, and he's he's laying out the, the land of Egypt. Live wherever you want. Your son Joseph has saved Egypt. Because of his interpretation, because of his God. And he says, have the best land, that's no problem. Um, and so he offers and says, you can go anywhere you want. And even if there's anyone competent among you, make them the chief herdsman of my livestock. Because with Joseph watching over uh, Potiphar's house, everything in it uh, went well. And, and grew and became prosperous. And then Joseph went to prison. And everything was committed into Joseph's hands. So everything that Joseph did went well and, and, and went smoothly. And then he became the governor over Egypt, second command, second only below Pharaoh. And everything in the land went well. And so Pharaoh can only see what Joseph has done. And how God has blessed him in his life and says, Hey, why don't you, if you've got any more of those brothers that, that make things prosper, hey, why don't you make them the head of my livestock? Because I would love for my, my livestock to prosper too. It happens uh, occasionally. So when, when Jacob was watching uh, Laban's flocks, they increased, they grew because of God. Not because of their smarts or intelligence, but because God is blessing these people. All right. Verse 7. Then Joseph brought his father and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of my years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Then Joseph provided his father, his brother, and all his father's household with bread according to the number of their families. So here is a strange thing from us looking out. Like, so... Who blessed who? It would seem that Jacob is blessing Pharaoh. The the king, the ruler of Egypt, is being blessed by this herdsman that's 130 years old, that's hard of seeing, and, and a foreigner. But we see that God is going to use Jacob to bless Pharaoh, as he's already been blessing Pharaoh through his son Joseph. And, and how much greater is the blessing from God than a blessing from a a man, a boss, a president, an emperor, or whatever else. The the blessing of men can't do anything. I can bless each and every one of you to to be prosperous and live a long life, but I can't make that happen. I can't. I can't bless you to have have uh, uh, no gray hair or to have you grow any taller. I can't do that. Or to increase your flocks, I can't do that. But when God blesses someone, then there's nothing in this world, in this universe, that can change what God is doing. And so we see God blessing Pharaoh through Jacob, through his family, through this. Um, 
we'll come back and we're going to talk about the blessing. What blessing do we want? What blessing should we desire? And it's not the blessing from men. We shouldn't be trying to impress men. We shouldn't be trying to impress other people or and to get their blessing. We should be seeking God's blessing. And what, what does that even mean? What What is that blessing? Is it money? Is it wealth? Is it health? What is the blessing that we get from God? We're going to come back round two after I finish. Now here is how Joseph will immediately bless Pharaoh. Now there was... Now, this is verse 13. Now, there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe. So the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us bread, for, we should, for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Then Joseph said, Give me your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock, if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for their horses, the flocks, the cattle of the herds, and the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from our Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our herds of livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord, our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. Then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt from Pharaoh. For Pharaoh, for every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he moved them into cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh. And they ate their rations, which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore they did not sell their lands. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your land this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your house and as for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, for we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day, that Pharaoh should have one-fifth except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So we're going to pause there. And we're going to talk about what's happening. So Joseph, being the governor, he's in charge of all the grain, receives all the money. So there's those seven years of plenty where they were able to store up one-fifth of their grain for the famine. They made lots and lots of money those seven years So they made lots of money, and by the third year, they were out of their money, and they gave it all to in exchange for, bre- for bread or grain. And then the next year, they were out of money. So they exchanged their livestock, their herds, their animals, their horses, their donkeys, whatever, for bread. And then finally, that last year, food, food is still not growing very well. 
They're like, all right, we'll we'll sell ourselves into indentured servitude. We'll be your servants. Um, and so that's what they did. And and they they do a very interesting thing. They whereas they were living all across the land, it says that they put them into cities. And so instead of them being spread out, and they now were being centralized, and they would go out and work their fields and come back. And so this gave Pharaoh lots of power and lots of um, pool with his people. And actually, and you see that they have to pay a 20% tax. 20% is a little high, but they say for that time it wasn't that bad. But they also get all the seed that they need, so they're not having to use their money to buy seed. Um, so being servants, they're actually more like employees. They have uh, a lot better deal than a lot of servants that we see um, most days because they get to keep their profit. A lot of servants and a lot of slaves in the past didn't get any of the money from what they, they sowed. They didn't get anything. They just worked for free. So this was not that bad of a deal that that's why, why they were able to come do it. Um, and so we see that the king of Egypt becomes very blessed and very powerful. And to this day, it still exists, which is an amazing thing. Because how many kingdoms or countries or nations still exist after three to 4,000 years? I mean, they just don't. They're, they're not that long lived. And so we see this kind of amazing thing happening when Joseph is, is in charge of the land. And finally, verse 27, So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions there, and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt seventeen years. So the length of Jacob's life was one hundred and forty-seven years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. <clears throat> so here Jacob, Israel, is dying and doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. He wants to go back to where his father and his father's father were buried. Simple request, which will be taken care of. That's where he, his final burial place will be. And so he swears it. Now, Israel and Jacob's not going to die quite yet. We've got a couple more chapters. Um, but that's that's where we are at the end of this. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what's happening here. Now, if, if Abraham had shared the stories, then they'll realize what's coming. So back in, we're in Genesis 47 right now. Back in Genesis 15, God's revealing something to Abraham, uh, Jacob's great-grandfather. And he says this in verse 13 and 14. Then he said God to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge afterwards, and they shall come out with great possessions. So God said this to his great grandfather, and this is what's happening right now. It's just now starting that they're going to be servants and afflict them. Now we see this great uh, separation right now. Joseph is in Pharaoh's good graces, and his family is free to roam. And it, it kind of seems like all the animals that were sold to Pharaoh are maybe under the charge of the Israelites, of 
Jacob and Israel's his sons because they're the chief herdsmen for Pharaoh now. So it seems like they got a pretty good deal out of it and they're taking care of all the animals for the land. Maybe. There are other shepherds and other herders, but that, that some of them would have gone to Joseph's family. <clears throat> but as of right now, this hadn't started, but or this isn't they're not being afflicted yet. As of right now, they're enjoying the the plenty of the land of Goshen. But we'll soon see if you keep reading if depending on how things go in Exodus chapter one, the next book, the exact next book, uh, chapter one, verse eight. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So after about thirty years of Joseph and his family living well, being the the Pharaoh's shepherds and him being the governor, eventually a king came that didn't know Joseph, and that's when the four hundred years of pain and kind of suffering starts for the Israelites. And so what God predicted, what what God said would happen, well, he didn't really predict it. He's probably making it happen because he has his purpose for them in Genesis 15. He starts to fulfill in Exodus 1. <clears throat> so God is at work. God has a plan. You're going to see that, oh, they're rising in, in power and, and they've got so much stuff, but God's going to bring them low for several reasons, to cling to God, but also they're going to come out with great possession. Now, I want to talk about blessings for a couple of minutes. We don't have a lot of time to cover it, but what, what are the blessings that we need to desire from God? What blessings do we want to be blessed by God with? And most people would say, oh, I want wealth, and I want health, and I want power, and, and those are very shallow blessings. We see most of the powerful, wealthy Healthy people are some of the most miserable people. We've got Hollywood and politicians as our examples that, that money doesn't make people happy. And the blessings of God go way beyond our temporary needs right now. The one truly great blessing, and we could talk about our, our, our daily blessings, that I've got children and a, a wonderful wife and a home that keeps the rain off my head and food on the table. These are all really good blessings, but there is one blessing that is far above all of our material blessings, and that's the blessing of salvation, to have an eternal life, to have life abundantly lived with Jesus Christ. Now, apart from Jesus, we're, the Bible says that we're dead. We're like dead men. But with Christ, with God, we can have life. That starts then at our belief, at our conversion, at our having faith, and extends on into eternity. We have two births. One physical birth, where everyone has a physical birth. But we have a second birth where we're spiritually born. We have God come live within us. And on a point of Ephesians chapter 1, um, I'd love to get into a study, but we don't have enough time this morning, so we're going to read verse 3, and we're going to skip down to verse 13. Verse 3 to 13, uh, let me put it on the print screen. Will it keep it highlighted? No, it will not. Um, from verse 3 to verse 14, this is one sentence in the Greek. So it's all one like big idea which we really have to dig into because it's so compact. But I want to look at verse 3 right now. So, praise be to God and 
Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So the blessings that we really want aren't physical blessings. They're very specific blessings in the heavenly realms. They're spiritual blessings. And the rest of this paragraph talks about it. It's about our our holiness and our blamelessness and our adoption and it's our, our grace. But we don't have any of those things without Jesus Christ. If we're not believers, if we don't place ourselves in Christ, we're going to talk about how to do that in a second, we don't have access to any of these blessings because we're not in Christ. Because the blessings all come from Jesus Christ. They come from God to Jesus, and the only way that we receive them is as if we were in Christ. So it ends with this. So the biggest question, like, so these spiritual blessings uh, are, are what? Get us to have a relationship with God. These these spiritual blessings are more than physical, temporary needs that we have right now. God will provide our needs. It's our wants that most of us have desires for and covet. But our spiritual blessings is life eternal spent with Jesus Christ. Like this is the greatest reward in all of the Bible is life spent with Jesus or God. And and that's the blessings that we want. That's that's the hope. That's what we, we look forward to. That's our hope. Not the temporary blessings. We see a lot of great temporary blessings. We all get temporary blessings here and now. I have a job. I have money. I have health. But so how quickly those things change. How quickly war will come and, and disrupt everyone's daily life. How quickly um, and f- the economy will collapse and fail. How quickly... My food will run out. I'll have to go to the store again. Everything, all of our blessings here that are physical, that we can touch, they run out. My coffee is a wonderful blessing. I love it. It's wonderful every morning, but it keeps running out, and I have to go make more. But God's blessings don't run out. God's blessings never end. Now, love to do a Bible study on Ephesians 1. We're not going to get to do that today, but I want to point out to you, Verse 13, because we're talking about blessings. How do we get these blessings? How do we get spiritual blessings that never run out? Peace, love, and joy without end. It says here in verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the question that people are still confused about, it's super easy. When we get included in Christ, right here, when we're included in Christ is when we hear the message of the gospel and we believe. And that's what God says. That's our the standard that God has for us now. We either have to keep the law perfectly, all 613 commandments and laws for our entire life, not just the outside, but the inside. Or... We believe in the one person slash God that fulfilled them already. We believe in in Jesus through the gospel. And then all of that will be accounted to us. That's part of the, the blessings that we get in Christ is that we are no longer seen as sinners when we die. We're seen as righteous. Not because we're righteous. Not far be it. Far from it. We are not righteous. But because we believe we're in Christ. And when God sees us, he says, ah perfection. Welcome, good and faithful servant. And so I want to encourage you all to seek 
those blessings are easy to receive but and not many people understand about them but we need to to believe in Jesus and then all these blessings that we read about in 3 through 14 will be attributed to us and and the blessings of Christ are very like small and simple and doesn't take very many minutes to read through all of the blessings of Christ that we we instantly receive when we become believers and it's an amazing thing to be adopted as sons, to be called a child of God, to be called loved and beloved. And so the blessings that eventually will come through Judah, from Jacob to Judah, his son, will eventually be Christ. And Christ is going to fulfill that, that bring a blessing to all nations. And that blessing to all nations is not health, wealth, power, and prosperity, but that blessing is salvation. Life eternal with our loving Father. And I just encourage all of you, just, just that's how we need to live our lives. We need to remember this gospel of our salvation. Because the gospel of our salvation is not just to save us, it's also for our everyday walk. We need to remember what Jesus did so that when we need to respond at work, at home, with other people, we can respond in love the way that Jesus would have responded because that's what we're called to do that's how we're called to walk is to walk like Jesus walked so seek first the blessings of God seek first the kingdom of God and he'll he'll give us all this other stuff the clothing and the the money that we need uh, and the food that we need but the blessings of eternal, eternal blessings are so much better than the temporary blessings. And and they don't, our, our emotions don't get tied up with these ups and downs because the, the temporary blessings are so up and down. They're here today, gone tomorrow. But the blessings of God are steady. They never falter, they never fail, they're always there. Lord God, thank you for this time that we've gotten to look at your word and how amazing you are that you do bless us physically and how great that is. But we ultimately know that it's all temporary, Lord. Our our health is temporarily good. Our health is temp. We, we will all die. We will all pass on. Our jobs are great. They're temporarily great. They fulfill us. They, they meet our needs, but they're not forever. And and our when our identity gets tied up with things that are not truly part of our identity it causes us so many emotions and ups and downs and we place our faith and we place our belief in something that's that's going to fail us lord help us to put our faith in you help us to live our life every day by your gospel by your your revealing of your son to us and help our lives be transformed by your word let us Grow tired of what this world has to offer and what it says is good and fun or convenient. And Lord, help us to just turn away from what the world says and turn to you. Help us to rest on your wisdom and your words and your love, Lord God. And just glorify you and praise you. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.